So, Bob, do you take notes during session ever? Are you ever uh, the sort of therapist where you're talking to a client and you have a notepad and you take notes about a client in session? Do you ever do that? First session, often. Yeah. Um, though what I write tends to not be that much. And yeah. then during couples therapy, sometimes I do that, yeah. Yeah. How come? Why Why couples therapy? To remember something pithy that somebody said or something to um, kind of get a sense of what uh, is going on in conflict cycle, like kind of like a, making a map. Okay. Yeah. So you can have a graphical or yeah. sentence-oriented uh, representation of what's going on in your head so so you don't forget it or something? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's what I want to talk about today because there's a lot of confusion about those kinds of notes, you know, the, the kinds of notes that therapists keep, um, you know, uh, while they're talking to their client because there's, um, well, there's just a ton of misunderstanding. And I have an email from a patron that relates to this. And the, the patron's psychiatrist, I believe, is actually doesn't understand <laughs> the law and, and everything. So I want to go into that whole thing. Plus, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with supervisees, both uh, interns and postgrad, about this issue and how much panic they get into when I actually tell them what the landscape is. Because a, a lot of therapists, they just sort of, you know, they just sort of take notes and they keep progress notes and they just think, yeah, okay, whatever. But you'll never be as terrified as when suddenly a particularly a client who doesn't like you asks for the client file and you just have to hand it over as is and there's so much and when you don't have good practices then you're actually opening yourself up to a, a lawsuit based on what's in the file and i can't tell you how many times i've gone over this with supervisees and saying don't put anything in the file that you don't want the client to read. And and every time I, you know, 99% of the time when I say this to supervisees, they're like, but I haven't been doing that. And I'm like, but I keep telling you, <laughs> you know, like don't anyways. So there's a lot of confusion for, and there's a lot of misinformation and there's a lot of consequences to having bad records and to having, and to not understanding HIPAA and all that other stuff. So I want to talk about it today. What do you say, Bob? Sounds good. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor and a good note taker because I have learned the hard way. Who are you, Bob? My name is Bob Gettle. I'm a therapist in practice here in Seattle, a friend of Kirk's from way back when in graduate school. Yeah. And it, I don't know if I'm a good note taker. And you're a piano player. Oh, well. I'm worse at piano than I am at notes. I know that. Bob a long time ago uh, was moving and he uh, needed a place to store his, his piano a store or wh why did you, why did you just offer the piano? To, so I ended up taking his piano. I knew you'd use it. Is that the only issue? You just thought, cause I, I would use it. Yeah. I wanted someone to use it. Yeah. It wasn't going to be me. Was it because whenever I came over to your house, I always sat down at the piano, started playing, started messing around. Yeah. So I had Bob's piano for almost 20 years, and uh, I just gave it back to him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, a long, that's a long borrowing. But anyway, this episode is just for patrons of the podcast, actually. So if you're listening to this and you're not a patron yet, then this episode will end before the content begins. If you want to hear the full episode, you have to become a patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com. That's patreon.com. When you become a patron, you'll get access to hundreds of patron-only episodes. And, <clears throat> and also remember that if we get a few more patrons, we'll, we'll reach the level on Patreon in which we'll start donating part of your pledge to PetFinder.com, which is an organization that helps save pets from being uh, euthanized. Euthanized? Is that the term? I think they say put down. Put down. Uh, murdered. <laughs> yeah, I think now we're getting to it. <laughs> uh, Petfinder.com is where I've uh, gotten a lot of my pets from. And it's a wonderful organization. Uh, that it's uh, a lot of volunteers work with Petfinder. They uh, will foster uh, animals for free. Uh, they'll drive animals all over the country to hook them up with families that want them. 
And when you uh, become a patron of this podcast, then you can know that some of your money is going toward that. We've also uh, supported homeless organizations, you know, housing for the homeless organizations, Plymouth Housing Group mm-hmm. specifically, and also the Trevor Project, which helps to prevent suicide among LGBTQIA youth. So become a patron of the podcast. Become a patron. This email is from an anonymous patron. Hey, Kirk, I'm writing because for a complicated reason regarding my insurance company, they've asked my psychiatrist for all of her session notes about me. They want everything, including the notes she takes while we're talking. My psychiatrist is concerned about handing them over, especially since I will have the opportunity to read them. She said it might derail our work if I were to read her notes. Hmm. She freely acknowledges that they technically are my notes, and I can look at them if I want to. However, if, if she thinks it would be damaging to our relationship, then I'm fine with not seeing them. It just made me curious, though. What are therapists actually writing on those notepads? She wrote a report instead and a letter saying that she wouldn't release any of her process notes. So now we are waiting to see if they try to subpoena them. I doubt they will, as I think the report will satisfy their needs. What do you think about this? Any initial thoughts, Bob? Um, well, I don't know if I know enough about this, but I'm pretty sure that process notes are not part of the file. That's right. So that's the first thing is that if your psychiatrist did say that uh, those, those – so there's two kinds of notes – which we'll get into, but you have progress notes and then confusingly process notes or psychotherapy notes. So HIPAA, the health information protection, portability, portability administration of America. I don't know. It's some kind of, it's, it, it's 96. Bill Clinton signed it into law and it, it its initial purpose was to help health information be portable between different clinicians to coordinate care because some people, because it was hard to, you know, portable your health information, some people were falling through the cracks and getting really poor treatment or even harmful treatment. Mm -hmm. You know, two doctors prescribe the same medication to the same patient. And now that patient is taking double dosage, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And so, but, it also has a lot of uh, discussion in HIPAA. Have you ever read HIPAA, by the way? No. It's insane. <laughs> the way it is written is, is I guess, legalese, and it is so weird. It's English, but it's like Shakespearean English, you know? I'm reading it, I'm just like, you have to read the same sentence like 10 times to figure out what it's saying. And it doesn't require specific knowledge it's just like the way they word things it's very strange but anyway i've read it all and like because i really just wanted to know the source code so to speak good on you yeah and so uh anyway did you ever make sense of it yeah like eventually once you get used to the language it actually provides very specific guidelines and and it's a law federal law and so and it totally pertains to our work as and so in the in HIPAA it says there are progress notes, and then there's this other thing called process notes or psychotherapy notes. That's mm-hmm. their synonymous process and psychotherapy notes, and it lays out exactly what they are, what the purposes are, and what you're supposed to do with them. And you are right in that the process notes or the psychotherapy notes, the notes that you take as a therapist on your notepad while you're talking to your client, you do not have to hand those over. Um, and I'll get, so, but it, but she, this patron is saying that her psychiatrist says that these notes, she can look at the client can look at them if she wants to, Huh? you know what I mean? She says she freely acknowledges that they are technically my notes and I can look at them if I want to, but that's actually not true. Not a fact. Yeah. So if your client asked to see your psychotherapy notes, you would say, what would you say? Well, I don't know that I have process notes. The notes that I take in session are um, ultimately go in the file. Uh-huh. I use a, for couples therapy, I use this form. Uh-huh. And the things that I'm writing are about, you know, things that I heard in session. I've never written that I can think of any kind of note that I would have any problem a client reading. So I, this has always been a mystery to me yeah. about, you know, this 
psychiatrist is saying that these notes are going to damage like what is she writing <laughs> or he <laughs> right it's a she this psychiatrist is a she um right uh well we'll get into that too so okay let's get into uh so i'm going to talk about progress notes first and then we'll talk about process notes so the first thing is progress notes what what are what are what's your understanding of pro- progress notes has to do with um treatment goals and progress towards those goals that's right it's the quote-unquote progress of treatment. This is the notes that are the official notes that you take as a clinician regarding treatment. So, And this goes in the official client file. So progress notes consist of things like assessment. So the, the first time you see a client, you, you'll do uh, uh, however involved of an assessment you do. That goes as a progress note. In my private practice with the sort of clients I see, my assessment is very brief mm-hmm. and doesn't involve very much. And so it's not a very long – I mean, some of my quote-unquote assessments are like two sentences long mm-hmm. <laughs> because there just isn't – it doesn't need to be any longer than that. Yeah. And then also treatment plan should be in the file. That's a tech, you know, I think it's a type of progress note in a sense. And uh, – or at least it goes in the file. And – that has to do with, and again, for my kind of clients, my progr- my treatment plan is one sentence long. You yeah. know? Client talks about stress and how, or client wants to reduce stress as it relates to their work or home life or something. Yeah. And uh, we will engage in individual psychotherapy for two to four times a month to talk about stress reduction skills. You know, that's, that's the treatment plan. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple comes in, to to uh, want to reduce conflict or increase intimacy, and so we will meet twice a month in couples counseling to do that. That's yeah. a, that's a treatment plan. That is a treatment plan. It's very brief, but it's all that's needed in some situations. Other times, you're going to have full assessments, full treatment plans, lots of sub treatment. You know, a lot of agencies will do that. They'll yeah. have these. They'll have like short term goals and long term uh. goals. Yeah. <laughs> You're shaking your head because I'm guessing, well, tell me why you're shaking your head. Because it's never been anything but gobbledygook and completely useless and also compulsory. Yeah. Compulsory because auditors necessitate that that a certain amount of rigor happen, which gets passed down to supervisors and the supervisors harangue the workers to have these elaborate, you know, treatment yeah. plans. And what they call rigor ends up just being bureaucracy. Right. It just looks like it's rigorous when it's not necessarily. Yeah. And so when you're in private practice, you don't got to do that shit. No. So, uh, so there's that. Um, also when you're, you got in your progress notes, you have collateral contacts. If you talk with, right. um, you know, the, the patient's parents or the client's physician or something, notes go in there. Also supervision or consultation notes go in your file and also a termination note. Okay. So let's get to the actual progress note, like a session note. We have the, the soap note and the DAP note. Do you remember these, these things, soap notes and DAP notes? Yeah. I can't remember I what, can't, I what can't. they stand for. Okay. Soap notes, subjective, objective. Good. A is assessment, assessment and P is, was it progress? Plan. Plan. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so I I had to look it up because I forgot. Um, So, yeah, SOAP is Subjective Objective Assessment Plan, and DAP is Data Assessment and Plan. And they're basically the same thing. So, SOAP soap note, you have subjective, like, the client said she feels better this week. So, that's a sub, you're, you're documenting the subjectivity of the client. Right. Objective could be the client appeared to have more energy today, as evidenced by more talking. Right. More smiling, more laughing. Right. So that's quote unquote objective. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Then you have assessment. Uh, the client's depressive symptoms have been decreasing, but client still meets criteria for major depressive disorder. Oh yeah, I've written that. Yeah. So that's a that's an assessment uh, sentence. Right. And then plan. So you might say continue weekly individual CBT therapy until client no longer meets criteria and or client indicates they no longer need treatment. Yeah, I've written that. Yeah. So that's subjective, objective assessment plan. And and though that's so they say soap note because it provides you a guide with all the four elements that you need to include. 
which makes sense, right? The subjective is indicating, well, what's the client telling you? Yeah. You know, what is the client reporting to you? Right. Objective is, what's your observation of the client? There right. should be some observation. Assessment is, well, given that data, what, what's, the, what's the conclusion? You right. know, what's the clinical assessment? Yeah, it'd be this, it's, it's all based on a medical model, right? Yeah. Someone comes in, subjective, client um, complains of arm pain after falling off the roof. Um, objective, uh, conducted x-ray found fracture in this bone. Yeah. Assessment, uh, client has a broken bone <laughs> as, you know, da-da-da, uh, plan, uh, pr- you know, give... Um, you know, uh, pain meds and um, and put a cast on it or whatever. You know, it's 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 the same. You know, when when physicians uh, take notes, that's how they follow it. You know, but yeah. and so psychotherapy follows the exact same kind of format. The DAPNO is is the same thing. It, it's just uh, instead of subjective objective, they just lump that into data. Data, right? And the, and then they still have assessment plans. The same thing. Okay, so what are the purposes of these of these notes of session of session progress notes? What what are the different reasons why we keep them? What's the purpose? And sometimes when I ask, so you're giving me kind of a blank look, and when I ask this question to supervisees, they often give me a blank look too, and I have to think about it sometimes because because we just do it right. Yeah. But like, what's the reason? I think it's just to keep the man off your back. Right. Well, what do you mean, like like the auditors? If somebody looks. Yeah. You have to be able to demonstrate that you um, are paying attention, providing good treatment as you see it. Right. So it's just it's to stay out of trouble. Stay out of trouble. Which is ridiculous, right? It is. Yeah. What's another reason why we take progress? Well, in theory, it would be to um, map the trajectory of your treatment and help you orient so that you're providing treatment that is, you know, goes from treatment goal at the beginning to treatment success at the end, presuming that it goes that way. And you can sort of see I did X, Y, Z, and this is how I moved this person to this thing. And, you know, like to help you just stay oriented. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's the main purpose. That's the, that's the, the stated purpose, shall we say. Yeah. I've uh, never found it all that useful. No. No, of course not. Because the things that, well, and I'll, we'll get into reasons why they become useless over time. But um, any other reasons you can think of besides... Uh, you know, mapping progress to assist you in your treatment and also just keeping the man off your back? No. Um, well, it's also kind of a record for payment, right? It's like a, it's oh, a, right. it's, it's a record of, of treatment provided, right. you know, yes. sort of like a receipt essentially of, of what's happened. Um, also, if you become incapacitated and someone needs to pick up treatment, right. then presumably the, the file should provide some guidance. But according to what you and I see and do, the notes probably are useless to the point that it wouldn't actually help someone. <laughs> um, I mean, it would provide some information, but the best information would be is if you just talk to us about the client. You know? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't rely on somebody's notes to help me. Yeah. I would be paying attention to my own impressions right. and what my person is telling me while they're sitting in front of me, et cetera. Right. And if someone's doing their, their notes right, there should, there should actually be such a limited amount of information yeah. that it should be technically. And, and my recommendation is the file should be so useless to anyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, unless it's a very uh, discreet uh, treatment situation that really lends itself to this sort of stuff. Like, Certain, you know, like someone comes in with a phobia of spiders. Right. And that's all they want to talk about. Well, your progress notes are going to be yeah. probably extremely reflective of what you did in therapy. Yes. So, um, you know, uh, it depends on, but most therapy situations are way more squishy than that. Squishy. And um, so another purpose for the notes is to cover your own ass. So not only to keep the man off your back in terms of getting in trouble, but also there are times when you want to put stuff in the notes yeah. so that if something happens down the line and you need to prove that you did it, yes, you know, like someone exhibits suicidal thoughts and they later kill themselves. Your file is pulled. You want to have in your notes that you assessed and recommended the right things so that they can't, uh, 
say that you were to blame partially yeah. for that person dying. Right. So there's a cover your own ass aspect to it that that can be really quite involved that a lot of people don't understand. And I find myself giving a lot of advice about that, about like how to write stuff in there so that it demonstrates that you did what you're supposed to do. Because a lot of people, they'll just write like talked about suicide, you know, <laughs> or assessed for suicide and or assessed high risk of suicide period. Oh boy. And that's it, you know? And, uh, and it, you know, it requires some experience and some knowledge about like what sort of eyes are going to look at it and yeah. how are they going to interpret it and yes. what are they going to be looking for? Yes. You know, that, that's a, that's a, that's kind of a random piece of knowledge that I, I don't think you get naturally from experience because it doesn't happen that often. I mean, for instance, how many files have been, have you had pulled in your, in your career? In private practice? Either, honestly. Oh. Well, um, we'd have uh, audits by the state yearly. Well, that, that's different. I'm talking about like client pulls file or judge, oh. judge pulls file. None. Yeah, none. Yeah, I've had one or two, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, and so the 99.9% and 100% of your notes have never been seen by anybody else, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, no, now that I think about it, two of my students from the DBT skills class have asked for their notes. Two of your, okay. But but that's not therapy, that's a class, so that's a little different. Yeah, well, to, but that's, you know, yeah, if you, but, that's if you it. but if you kept bad notes that had some bad stuff in there, then yeah. that, so, so in those situations... Um, did you feel confident handing over the file? Yeah. You were just like, yep, here you go. Yeah, here you go. Yeah. So, because I'm guessing the kinds of notes you keep in the DBT class is pretty standardized, you know. They are. Client, uh, you know, it administered assignment number five to client. Client indicated that they would do it or... Uh, they did this skill. They practiced that. Yeah. This is what they talked about. Yeah. Very... Well, but this is what they talked about. So that that that's where you could run into a problem, right? If if you put something in there that the client didn't want, then you could be in trouble for that. You know, client talked about having been sexually abused by father, then the client might not want that in there, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I understand what you're saying, and and that doesn't happen. You don't do that. No, no. I mean, uh, what we talk about in class doesn't tend to be all that personal. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's not, so you're not even getting information that could go in the file that would be uh, sensitive in that way. Yeah. Okay. Um, so those are, uh, other, also it's possible that a client needs to, uh, provide a record that they were compliant with some sort of order. Yeah. And so sometimes your file, um, might be pulled in a sense like that, a situation like that. Um, and it's also a justification of treatment to insurance sometimes. So those are all the reasons why we keep files and, and notes and, you know, uh, like I said, uh, it's important. It's a very important area, and it's a very anxiety-provoking area. And But it's an area that if you have very bad practices, you might not ever have any consequences because no one might not know yeah. people. And, and I think that's part of the problem is because the amount of times your file is pulled is so infrequent that I think a, a lot of people, particularly in private practice, slowly start drifting into this very weird way of keeping progress notes. People who listen to this podcast know that a while back, a year or so ago, we did a few episodes in which, I can't remember, two or three episodes in which a patron wrote in talking about this lawsuit or this this complaint uh, situation she's involved in with a uh, her therapist uh, did a lot of personal touching uh, with, with her and compliment and would... Uh, spoon her essentially on the couch and mm. and would kiss her her thighs and would caress her and tell her how um, beautiful she and how sexy she, and how sexually attracted yeah you're looking at me like what the fuck oh my yeah and it you know we broke down all the different elements of it and uh, and she is pursuing the complaint and which I think is awesome yeah. And it's so obvious that any any therapist listening to this would be like, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, hugging a client on their way out the door, yeah. uh, maybe holding a client's hand when they're crying, yeah. 
sitting next to them, but kissing them on the legs? Mm. What? Like, how does that make any sense? Uh, you know, spooning for half an hour and talking about how much you're sexually and how, like, if things were different, you would want to do stuff. Like, like that's just, like, way beyond the pale. And uh, and she's actually I, I I email with her every now and then and she she's actually uh, uh, be, gotten to the point where she wants to be kind of a an activist oh, against this her. and she wants to come out and like sp, you know state her name and good for her and like yeah which is just really great but one of the things that um, I uh, got access to was the uh, his notes so she so no shit yeah part of the complaint or something involved him handing over the file and so he handed over the file to her and she handed over the file to me wow <laughs> yeah and so i talked about it in the podcast i think it's a, a patron only podcast but um these notes were just they were awful because if you in, if you engaged in that kind of behavior then there should be like ample justification oh, yeah. and consents and, you know, which people will do. Cause there, there are people, there are certain, there are therapists who actually do a lot of body work. Yeah. They'll, they'll do like, you know, some very avant-garde, shall we say, body somatic therapies that involve a lot of touching and, According to their standard of care, that's, you know, that's normal, but right. they will always in, have a consent to touch, they have a consent to touch form. Right. There's also a, a lot of, um, because they want to cover their own ass, there's a lot of consultation with outsiders about whether or not, you know, they should be engaging in that. There's a lot of like continuing to check in with the client, how they feel about it. You know, is this what they want? And in this guy's uh, client notes or his progress notes, it was he was talking about all this touching and there was barely any talk about consent. In fact, there were, there were times when it was clear that he wasn't getting consent and he was documenting that in his own, in his own file. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a problem. What's appalling about that is the level of ignorance it would take to do something as foolish as that and believe that you were being clinically sound in some way. Like there was justification for your behavior. Right. That's just staggering. Staggering. Yeah. Doctoral level uh, clinician, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and had been practicing for a long time. Yeah. But uh, means nothing, right? <laughs> Anyone can be an idiot. <laughs> um, okay. So we've talked about progress notes. Right. Which, again, purpose is to document progress and to be the official record of treatment for a client. So there's this other thing in the HIPAA regulation called process notes or psychotherapy notes. HIPAA says they go in a separate file. So you actually have to keep a separate physical file for these, for these psychotherapy notes. You don't keep psychotherapy notes. It sounds like no. any notes you take are basically like assessments that you put into, into the client file. I do. Yeah. So, which is fine. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people do that. I, uh, absolutely keep psychotherapy notes uh, for a number of reasons. One is I want to have a place where I can jot down insights that I have. It's the same way that you use them. Yeah. But I'm, I want to be free to write whatever I want to write. And yeah. I want to be free to write in a way that doesn't make necessarily any sense. Cause I have all these like yeah. abbreviations and you know, weird words that I use. Your shorthand. Yeah. And if someone looked at them, one, they would maybe not even know what I'm saying, and two, they might misinterpret it. Yeah. So, so I want a place where I can be free to write that stuff down. Plus, I also will have a genome. So I always keep the same psychotherapy note at the bottom of the page, about halfway down. I have a genogram. I start, you know, I have them and their family members and stuff. Even if it's an individual, I always have a genogram. And as I learn more about each family member, I start kind of filling in traits, you know, things that they say. Um, at the top of the page, I'll have the goals and sometimes the diagnosis and whether or not they consented to it. And then in the middle of the page, I'll have like details. And if I need more page, I flip it over. So in the middle of the page would be like, um, you know, was sexually abused by father. So the reason why I put that in my psychotherapy notes is because 
like you say, in the first session, I, I'm learning so much information yeah. that it's going by me so quick, I'm going to forget it yeah. unless I write it down, frankly. Right. And so session two, three, four, I will have that piece of paper with their notes in front of me as I'm talking to them because otherwise everything they told me in the, for, the first session will just be lost to me by the second session. Right. There's a, I've seen so many clients at this point that I only have so much data banks to fill, you know, and a lot of it's been filled by other clients in some ways. And so when I get a new client, it takes a while to purge old information and make room for new information. Right. So these notes are, I mean, sometimes, I mean, I hate to say this if any clients are listening, but, there are times when session three comes around and I've forgotten their names. You know, I have their, their abbreviation in my calendar or something. But because you don't say their name over and over oh, again... Repetition is learning. And no one talks about them because you don't talk about your clients with other people. I'll, I'll completely... I'll be sitting halfway through a session going like, I don't even know their names. Yeah. And it's particularly problematic in couples situation because you have to refer to people, you know? Well, John is saying, you know, and so I'll be like, well, your husband is saying. <laughs> so to eliminate that stupidity of my brain, I have notes that remind me, you know, by session five, six, and seven, things are usually locked right. into my brain where I don't need the notes anymore, and I'll just leave the, the psychotherapy notes in the file. But anyway, so they have to be in a separate file. Um, and uh, the reason for that is... HIPAA wanted to allow clinicians to keep notes to help them with their treatment. The notes that I keep that are that I'm free to write for myself absolutely enhance my ability to treat my clients. I mean, can you see that? Oh, absolutely. And HIPAA wanted to allow for that. And so they're saying, look, take your notes, do what you keep, you know, do what you want. But what they didn't do is they didn't say anything about whether or not those notes could be pulled or not, or subpoenaed. There was, there's nothing in there that says, I mean, the HIPAA says you don't have to turn them over, but I can't remember exactly how the, the law works. But so the patron wrote in and said the, the insurance company wants everything from, from her psychiatrist, including the psychotherapy notes. And the, and the psychiatrist is saying, um, if, seems to be under the impression that she has to hand over the psychotherapy notes. But the general practice is, so when people ask for my file, I send them the, the, the progress notes. I do not send them, and the treatment plan and the assessment and all that stuff, I do not send them the psychotherapy notes. And they usually don't ask for them. But sometimes people do ask for them. And under legal advice that I've talked to lawyers about this, and I've talked to people who have talked to lawyers about this, they say... There's no way to know right now because there's no case law. There's no there's no case decision in a in a court of law that gives us guidance about whether or not you can refuse to hand that over or not. So what they say is to avoid problems, just hand them over and just sort of face the consequences you know that happen from that. What do you think of that? I think there's probably nothing you could write that would be a problem. Well. I think there is. Oh. I mean, I mean, you don't because you don't. You write things that go right into the client file. So as you're writing it, you either don't think things that will harm your client, or you. I mean, what if your client was in the first session? You're, you know, you have a couple, for instance, and they're yelling at each other and they're upset. All right, and one of them seems to be more to blame than the other person, shall we say. All right. What, you know, say say the wife seems much more unreasonable, you know, and she's much more reactive, and the husband seems to be trying really hard, and the husband seems really positive. He's trying to, he, he's, he's exhibiting much more maturity, much more openness. Uh, and you want to remember that, or you just want to, hypothesize as to what's going on there. Well, would, you know, would you write down um, or how would you feel about writing down something like, I think the wife is more unreasonable than the husband or something. Oh yeah. No, I wouldn't write that. Right. But what would you think it? Mm, what I think it, that's a really good question. Well, that's interesting because basically what you're saying is 
you don't think things that would be problematic to a client. I, I think I don't think things like that. Interesting. Yeah. So we'll eliminate that one. What if a client exhibited um, signs that they were, I don't know, passive aggressive or histrionic or something? Would you, would you think stuff like that? Would you think, oh, I think she's a little histrionic or he's, or, or yeah, I think he, he appears maybe like he has some substance abuse problems. I'm not quite sure. Or something like, would you think stuff like that? I might think the second one. Yeah. But you wouldn't write it down. I probably wouldn't write that down. Right. So, so there's at least a small set of things that you yeah. would think, but not write down. Yes. But you might want to note. Yeah. I rely on my memory. But you'd rely on your memory. Yeah. Whereas that's the kind of stuff I put in my second you, therapy Okay, notes. gotcha. Yeah. Because I don't like to rely on, my, on yeah. my memory for stuff like that. Um, what, if they, what if they were talking about their parents and the way they were raised and they said they'd been you know, sexually abused by their father? I'd probably write that. You'd write that into the file. Yeah. So that's where, if I'm going to advise you, yeah. peer-to-peer, sure. is avoiding writing stuff like that down because if a if the client is pulled for some reason um say a couples therapy situation wife talks about being sexually abused by father at some point the husband wants to pull the file for some you know it's a custody battle sure it happens and in there in your notes it plain as day it says you know wife was sexually abused by father for 10 years well that is now part of public discussion in right. court in court lawyers are looking over it experts are looking over it um and maybe even the father finds out well say the the wife who was sexually abused has has literally only told you like uh-huh. you're the only person who she ever told right she's not going to be all too pleased with that being now part of the public she might be embarrassed know. and she so that's harm which we don't want to have happen. And two, she could turn around and sue your ass. <laughs> she could be like, why'd you put that in there? You know, I didn't consent to you putting that in my file. Like, that's not... Um, and she could, if she could demonstrate being harmed, which would be kind of hard to do, but if she could demonstrate being harmed, you could be sued successfully for that. Plus, why do you want to go through that mess when you don't have to? Right. You know? So, I tell people to leave out those kinds of details. Um uh, because of that reason. It's a remote chance that your sure. file will even be pulled, right. and then it's it's even remoter that they're going to be upset about something in there. But could, could the opposite happen, where not writing something could cause troubles? Yes, but it's, in my experience, much less even likely to happen. Less, much, less, l- okay. much, you know, excluding that she was sexually abused, I can't imagine a situation that that would get you into trouble. Not writing it down, be hard pressed to imagine that not writing it down would mean something. Right. There are th- now, if you swing too far in the direction of having notes that are so bland <laughs> that it actually appears that you're not even paying attention, right? Then that act that absolutely can get you in trouble. Um, but it's but with a little practice, it's not hard yeah. to write notes that that appeared genuine and authentic and spontaneous, you right. know. Um, so it just takes some practice, you know, yeah. like cl- uh, client. Uh, so I always start off by, by describing um, what would happen if someone looked at us, <laughs> you know, cause a lot of times I read progress notes and it'll, and I'll be like, is this group therapy? Is it marital? Like who was there? Yeah. And another thing that bothers me is people write notes in this really like, like pseudo medical script kind of, syntax do you know what i'm talking about i might they'll be like you know client indicated symptom reduction period oh um uh discussed client solutions period you know oh, it's uh-huh. like it's this really um really strange way of writing yeah uh do you ever see that i don't well i don't look at people's notes so oh yeah i do yeah. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of weird ways of writing. Mm-hmm. Like if you just said to someone, tell me what happened in session yesterday, they would they would say, okay, well, I met with her for about an hour and we talked about blah, blah, blah. A lot of people don't write notes like that. Yeah. They write, and I, 
do you like hearing my description of it? Why do you think they do that? Why do you think they write in such a weird syntax? I think they're nervous and nervous about what about um, writing something that's going to get them in trouble, right? And nervous about coming across as as a professional. They want to sound professional. They want to sound professional. Sure. And in their head, they equate weird syntax with professional. Right. And I'm like that. That no, that's not true. Yeah. Like. Uh, just write the way you would write a sentence, you yeah. know, have a, have a, uh, a subject <laughs> and a verb, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, have a, whatever they, what's the, what's, the, is that a, it's an article, article, have fucking articles, yeah. you know, don't say mother indicated, just say the mother, like you don't talk, you know, just write yeah, the, the way, way you want to communicate. Stop acting like you're something that doesn't even exist. You know, it's yeah. like, the more arcane the note, the smarter I sound. It's like, mm. no, you don't. You just sound like someone who's trying to act like you're smart. Mm. It's like I was making fun of um, someone the other day. It's like when people have like a long string of letters after their name. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you know, Bob Gettle, uh, LMHC, uh, comma, MHP, comma, MA, comma, uh, you know, some other random certification that you, you know, DBTs, sure. uh, comma, you know, just this long string sure. of like all these things. And uh, whenever I see that, I just think, oh, well, you're clearly insecure about, <laughs> you know, your your credibility or something. Right. You know, it's like there are some circumstances when you're you're actually required to include all those, you know, like. I'm guessing if you are signing some DBT document, you probably have to indicate that you're a certified DBT person or something. I don't know. Is probably. Well, I'm not, but um, uh, yeah, there's times when that's actually useful. Yeah. And there's times when it really just isn't. Yeah. There's times when it's just like, clearly you're just yeah. insecure about <laughs> right. about yourself. Um, because the, the the thing I was talking about was there was, there's some, uh, soon to be grads in my program who are trying to get particular uh, credentials like MHB status. Uh, and I was like, Oh, well, you know, so what, what do you need it for? I was at, cause she was really trying to like get a yeah. way to get it. Yeah. And I was like, you know, cause, cause in my picture of where she was heading in her career, she didn't need it. So I was just like, so I'm just curious why, why do you, she's like, well, I really want to, you know, have those letters after my name. And she kind of does it with a smirk, you know, yeah. she's like, I just really want those letters after my name. Sure. And I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> Cause it just makes you look like a hack when, when you yeah. uh, have low grade certifications after your name, you know what I mean? It doesn't, yeah. it just makes you look like you're desperate. Yeah. And so, so she said, oh, okay, so uh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with just putting, LMFTA, you know, or yeah. LMHCA, there's, you know, that says a lot. That, you, that's enough. It's fucking a lot right there. Master's degree in a, you know, clinical field. Did you ever hear that one about the flag going down the river on its back with an erection yelling, raise the drawbridge, raise the drawbridge. <laughs> uh, that's a funny sight in my head. Oh, my God. I just remembered my dream last night. Oh. We were supposed to eat uh, roasted flies, oh and these, you know, those kind of like horse flies, yeah, yeah. those kind of quintessential oh, flies. Yeah. But they were they were like fifty to seventy five percent bigger than the typical ones, so they're real kind of big, yeah. and they were kind of fuzzy. Uh-huh. Um, and I just could not get myself to eat one. Well, there's a reason. <laughs> But I was like, it was like, for some reason, it was like, I got to eat one of these. It's got to happen. You know, I can't remember why, <laughs> but um, it's funny. Great dream. Next podcast, we're going to do that dream. Yeah. Well, let's let's look at this for a second. So, well, what do you hear? What 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 themes do you hear in that dream? Uh, compelled to do something disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Something I don't want to do. Something you don't want to do. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But. And, but I can't fight back. I also think there was sort of a social element to it as well. Like, like in reality, I didn't need to eat the fly, right. but I kind of had to because it, it would look bad to other people or oh, something. <laughs> you were having letters after your name. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, so we got pro- progress notes and, and then process notes. 
Um, and let's see. Yeah. So for me, I might write something like histrionic or I might write something in my psychotherapy notes. Yeah. I might write something like difficult taking responsibility, difficulty taking responsibility for themselves yeah. or, or their father has, uh, is domestically violent or right. they're, you know, there's hints that the mother has narcissistic personality disorder or yeah. something, you know, you know, I, I want to write whatever I want, you know, in yeah. that kind of not thing. have to think and not have to worry right. who else is going to see this eventually. Right. You know, um, I also want to be able to write. It's like with some clients, part of the, the therapy mode is for them to tell me their entire story. Right. So, you know, one client comes to mind, she had uh, an entire, her entire life was chaos and she was doing pretty good now. But she knew that her life, her parents had been neglectful and abusive. Her siblings had problems. You know, she went from relationship to relationship. She just had a, and for the first time, she just wanted to like kind of sift through it all. Yeah. And it was therapeutic for her to do that. And so what that meant was she told me her entire life story and I wrote down as much detail as I could. Sure. And... I didn't want that going in the client file, you know? So that was all in the psychotherapy notes file. Hey, do you keep in your psychotherapy notes? Do you keep a separate file for each client? Yeah. 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 Because that's the law. Right. Um, I'm not sure exactly why. I mean, I guess it's, it's like, cause you know, um, a lot of people, a lot of these notes things are, are for like medical situations, you know, where you have, 10 physicians and the files are all in the same place. Right. And so you just go to that file. Whereas when you're in private practice, like no one even knows where your files are. (laughs) So you don't, so in a, in a, in a larger practice, where are yours? My files? Yeah. In your closet? Yeah. They're my closet. And then I have another closet with another, um, uh, file cabinets bigger. Yeah. But so I have my, my current clients in this tiny file right here. Right. Um, Ooh, can we talk about uh, destruction of notes? Right. So depending on your situation and state, maybe yeah. there's a certain amount of time you have to hold on to your notes. I'm like seven years. I or think something. it's seven years. Yeah. Um, but psychotherapy notes, you don't have to keep past the session. You can shred them tomorrow. Yeah, you can shred them directly after the session. It does. So I've shredded them during. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> done that, but. fuck this shit. Um, <laughs> I don't want you to see that. <laughs> um, that can be therapeutic, you know. Let's write this down and shred it. But so, yeah, you don't need to keep them. So, if someone, so if you want to protect yourself, because there's no case law that guides us as to whether or not we have to hand over these psychotherapy notes. If you if you want to protect yourself, then you can shred your psychotherapy notes periodically you know just go through all your psychotherapy notes particularly old clients and just shred them you know um or translate them into a progress note and sort of clean them up and so that right so that if you want to keep them for later reference you can um so yeah do you read your notes do i read read my psychotherapy notes yeah or your progress notes uh, I never read my progress. Uh, occasionally I'll read my progress notes if it's something like I forgot what happened, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, I mean, you know, there's, you know, we're talking about progress notes like they're completely useless. Um, there are occasions when they are useful, like, like I'll keep notes on people, you know, rating their suicidality, for instance. Right. I'll want to look back and cause that'll be in the progress notes right. and, and I'll look back at that. So there are there, but it's pretty rare. Yeah. Honestly, it's pretty rare. But your psychotherapy notes, you would probably look at before a session. Is that the idea? So my psychotherapy notes, like, like I said, um, I will, uh, put most of it down in the first session. I'll add to it, maybe session three, four, five. And I'm absolutely looking at them session one through 10. Yeah. But beyond that, I usually have it all kind of in my head and I don't, I don't need to have those notes. Anymore. Right. But sometimes I kind of wish that I did because sometimes when I do look back at my process notes, I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that mm-hmm. detail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, uh, so for a while I actually had a practice, uh, where I 
would routinely, just before the client arrived, I would get get my process notes. I'd put it on my note on my notepad uh, clipboard thing. I'd get a pen and I'd put it right next to me, and then. Um, and I did that with every client, regardless of how long I'd been been seeing them. But for some reason, I've fallen out of that practice. I don't know Hasn't, why. You haven't needed it? Yeah. I don't know. Just lazy or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so the, the question is, that patron is saying is, um, uh, is there something in the notes that, you know, why did the psychiatrist say, you know, this. There's things in my process, my process notes that could that could actually harm you and harm our relationship. Um, I suspect it's not anything terrible. Probably not. Um, I suspect it's probably just musings. You know, like personality traits. Like for instance, if if I if I have a client who exhibits borderline personality traits, like sensitivity to rejection, or um, self-loathing upon uh, being rejected or mm. being isolated or something, you know, sure. a kind of high emotionality around isolation, then, you know, I'm going to write borderline. I'm just going to write that word down next to them on the genogram. To me, when I write that, <laughs> what it means is a personality spectrum that um, I find to be quite common among the, the population. I mean, frankly, I have some borderline traits, you know, that I can observe in myself. I have more. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't have any fucking problem with that label. It's yeah. not a it's not a bad thing. It's a diagnostic. It's a shorthand for capturing a set of things. It's not a club to be wielded. Right. And that's how you use it. Right. And so so I use it um, in the old psychoanalytic sense of, of a borderline, you know, a trait as you know it they're in this category histrionic kind of same thing you know there's it's a spectrum and and i use that language in my psychotherapy notes if someone saw that and saw that i had labeled them borderline for some people that would be the end of our relationship right because of the stigma that is out there yeah and because if they just google borderline they're gonna they're gonna see a, a different description of what i'm referring to so oh, yeah, depending on where they look, absolutely. Right. And so so I absolutely will write stuff in my notes. Now, so for the patron, your psychiatrist could have been writing stuff like that. Could yeah. have been, you know, just writing different ideas in a language that is particular to them. Right. And if you read it, you would misinterpret it. That that's the issue yeah. is is really misinterpretation. Yeah. Do you speak that psychiatrist language? Right. And also um, clients out there, when when you present yourself to us, we start detecting things right away. And there are things that you probably don't want us to tell you until you're ready to hear it. <laughs> you know, um, you know, there are things that uh, that I think, okay, I th- I'm I'm guessing that this is an issue for this client, but we're gonna have to ease ourselves into this one. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a while before I just, now I'm, I'm also the sort of therapist that tends to just dump that kind of stuff out into the room because I, I just would rather just talk about it right away, you right. know, but there are sometimes when I don't and believe me, you don't want to see what's in my notes in that way. Now I'm not going to hide it from you forever. I, yeah. I I'm setting it as a goal of like, eventually we're going to talk about this when I feel like our relationship is stronger, right. when I feel like I understand this issue better, maybe I'm wrong when I feel like they, we have a track record of going back and forth around this. And so, so your psychiatrist could have had stuff in their notes like that too. More than likely it's something like that. Yeah. I mean, you're with somebody, what you're thinking about is, has to do with their welfare. Right. People generally want to be helpful. Right. Right. If your psychiatrist is writing something like, I hate this bitch and she's a terrible person. My goodness. <laughs> you know, like, uh, if it's if it's the sort of stuff that we might get paranoid about, then then we're in a terrible situation. Yeah. And my guess is is that's not what people are writing. No. We're we're caring clinicians and whatever we're writing, we're writing for the purpose uh to, you know, increase or in, in better the welfare of the client. Absolutely. Um and so if anything in there is hurtful, it's it's inadvertent. Yeah. You know, it's not on purpose. Right. So um 
but you know, we live in such a litigious culture. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah. Assholes pucker up real tight, man. Yeah. And then the more they do, the more they do. And so, yeah. you know, I, this, like even this situation, you know, I could understand why this person who wrote you, this patron who wrote you is nervous. Right. You know, like this culture is just a little weird. Right. Totally. And the times when your client is pulled along these lines of litigious culture, when you're the, the very few times that someone's going to look at your file, yeah. it's usually because they're looking for something to get you on. Mm. You know, people rarely pull files just to pull them in psychotherapy world. Yeah. It's usually, it's not, I don't know the percentage, but there's a sizable percentage of uh, times when you're, when you're, when a client pulls the file, they're actually looking for evidence against you. Yeah. And so, um, that's why you want your file to be as buttoned up as possible. Yeah. And um, the last thing I'll say, and I, because I already kind of said this, but I just want to put a fine point on it, is this is what I say to a lot of novice therapists: is you're, the progress note. If the progress note takes you longer than than ten seconds to write, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> um, and and you know, novice therapists look at me like, "What? I'm taking like twenty minutes to write a note," yeah. and I'm like you are so far from the mark, yeah. you know, cause, and I remember doing this. I remember like the first few progress notes I wrote, oh, sure. they, they were handwritten back then cause we didn't have computers and it was two pages yeah. of just like, I, w- I wanted to document every single moment sure. that happened in therapy. Right. Mostly because I wanted to justify and demonstrate what I was doing. Right. I wanted people to know how awesome I was. My supervisor, when she saw it, was like, this is insane. Why are you writing so much? I don't want to read this much shit. Right. If, if you're going to do this every time, you're wasting your time. One. Two, you're wasting my time because right. I have to read all this shit. Right. I just need the topic sentence. You know, what did, what, what's, the, what's the overall thing here, yeah. you know? Right. So, um, so there's that. Uh, so if you're taking longer than 10 seconds to write a note, there's something wrong. You're wasting your time. And you don't have that much time on this planet, and you don't want to be wasting it. You don't get paid for it either. So, um, unless you're at an agency, I guess, but the point is, is you should be able to write a note very quickly. It takes time to write a note in under 10 seconds though. You got to get good at having a repertoire in your brain ready to go. Right. Uh, how to look at a past session and condense it into cognitive behavioral language, right. which is, you know, legitimate. You, any session I can always legitimately reduce to CBT language, even though CBT probably wasn't on my mind. Uh-huh. You know, I'm having a exploratory, uh, self-actualizing session with a client, and I will reduce it down legitimately so to um, explored ways of thinking to reduce symptoms of stress. I mean, that's legitimate. Absolutely. I mean, it's not overtly what we did and it's not perhaps how the client saw it and it's not certainly how I saw it in the moment but it's legitimate you know yeah. that's that's you know that's one way of looking at what we did and so uh, getting good at that skill of looking back at a session that you intuitively managed with your client and being able to summarize it yeah. quickly uh, in a way that will pass any audit you know that happens in the future. Having said all that, uh, keep thinking of other things to say. Some supervisors actually require their clinicians to keep very long notes. So I know some, I work with some supervisees who work at sites who have supervisors that want to see like a long note mm-hmm. and want to see like client quotes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And in those situations, you kind of have to do what your supervisor tells you to do. What are you going to do? But understand that, that, isn't what you have to do when you have the power to choose. And two, you're, it, if you're being supervised, then your supervisor gets in trouble for that. But uh, there's a lot of agency practices right now where they mandate that you quote the client. Yeah. And under some circumstances, that's fine, you know? Like, client said that they have much less suicidal ideation this week. Okay, you know? A client probably wouldn't mind having that in their file. But some people are putting stuff in there like client told me that mom sexually abused them or client told me that they um, 
had sex or they used cocaine or, you know, people will quote those kinds of quotes. And does the client want you to put that in there? You know, so that's a whole other thing that, 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 you know, you got to think about is it's unethical and immoral in my mind to put something in the client's, this is the client's file. And that's what I always tell people. It's like, it's not your fucking file. It's the client's file that is residing in your office. You know, I mean, that's not really true, but the point is, is it's, it's co-owned by you and your, and your client. The client could pull that file every single time they come into your office, you know, and a lot of clinicians treat the file like it's theirs, you know, and when the client asks for it, they're like, the client is asking for their file. It's like, well, it was always their right to pull at any time anyway. Yeah. That's a good thing to know. Yeah. And, um, so, uh, it's immoral in my opinion to put something in the client's file that the client would be, uh, really upset about being in their file. Mm -hmm. You know, like imagine you're in therapy, you're yourself, Bob. Um, can you imagine some things that you've said that you would not want in the client file? Um, I might be different this way. Because you're just an open book. I really don't care. Yeah. And and while I might read something that I might find painful, I'd just make use of it. Yeah, I mean... Unless it were inaccurate. I mean, ultimately, that's where we should all be like you. Well, yeah. Clients and therapists. This because many, 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 many years of being a client. Because there's nothing wrong with anything. You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with having people know that you were sexually abused, you know, it's only the stigma that we put to it um, that makes it shameful, so to speak. Um, So, so, but I might be, you know, different 26 years of being a therapist and 20 some years of being a client in various forms. I, that's 50 years of experience, you know? Well, I haven't evolved to your point. There are many things that I've said in therapy that I just don't want a physical record of. It just, it does things you've said to me. (laughs) Yeah. I want to just feel free to just say whatever's on my mind without having to worry. Like, is this going down on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. That's your, it's your hour, man. Yeah. Even though the chance that anyone ever is going to see that, like who, you know, cares, but yeah, uh, is pretty slim, right. but at the same time, I'm just like, I'd rather not have that, you know, out there. Yeah. Um, because honestly, I've been burned by stuff. I've been, I've been burned by having stuff. So I have like, I guess some trauma around like oh. having like, you know, accidental records of things that mm. will come back later to bite me in the ass. Well, yeah. Who would want that? Like, um, one time, uh, do you remember, God, should I talk about this? Hmm. I'll talk. I'll talk generally about it because um, we can talk off the air about more specifics because because you'll be able to relate because mm. you went through some of this too. But mm-hmm. um, I, it, it, um, God, how do I say this generally? I had uh, explored when I was in my mid twenties clinically um, my history. I, I I explored my history and had a written record of it. Yeah, <laughs> and. It, in it, it talked about things that I used to think when I was when I was a kid. Yeah, because I grew up in a in a you know typical American suburban culture, which held certain views about certain groups of people. Right, and and so in this document, I was talking about how I used to have certain yeah. feelings as a kid, which honestly were were true to ninety plus percent of everyone back then in the 70s and 80s. Well, I thought that record was, was, you know, not going to be seen by people, but it was seen and it was publicized and it was expanded to uh, assume that I still felt that way. No, no. And so that's what I'm talking about. It's just like... You've told me about this. Yeah, okay. Lame. It's just like, I don't want, um, you know, I don't want sensitive information being Absolutely. documented. You yeah. Know? It's like, so, um, anyway. if you've gotten burned, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And you were. Yeah. I mean, imagine, you know, if that happened to you, your client, your therapist writes down something that, you know, just some random thing, it somehow gets out. Uh, and then, and then like a bunch of other people think that represents who right. you are now or right. something, you know, like, right. like that would be, you'd feel betrayed or right. just misunderstood. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, so there's a lot of reasons why therapists should be much more trained and much more buttoned up around 
their practices regarding psychotherapy, you know, and progress notes and supervisors, honestly, too, because I because I a lot of the interns I work with, they're being supervised by people that are giving them really bad advice. Because the other thing is that agencies, these people are marginalized people, right? Yeah, they're poor. Yeah, they don't even know a lawyer. They might be immigrants and worried they're going to be deported. So if you do something that harms them in their, you know, in the progress notes, they either don't know they can do something or they they don't feel like they have enough power to, to, to fight back. Yeah. And so these agencies, in my opinion, have psycho have progress note practices that are, that are um, not very respectful of the clients. Yeah. You know, uh, you'll see psycho, you'll see progress notes in agencies, full histories, full documentation of everything they said and all sorts of opinions in there. And just like, you know, things that, the client would probably not want, especially in an agency where lots of eyes, lots of eyes. I mean, literally every, I think every single person who works at these agencies has access to every single file. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the secretary, the, you know, the HR person, (laughs) uh, obviously other therapists. And so I find that to be a social justice issue. Yeah. Uh, Why should rich private practice clients, be respected more than agency clients when it comes to this sort of thing. So, anyway, any final word on 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 this issue? Did you learn anything new? That doesn't sound like it. At the beginning, you're like, I don't know if I know everything about this, but it kind of sounds like you did know everything already. I learned something. What'd you learn? Um, to think a little more carefully about what I do write. Yeah, in terms um, of not putting personal information. Yeah, and and to think about that a little more carefully because what I think I'm writing. You know, I don't have any axe to grind, but I haven't uh, necessarily considered what's this impact going to be if my client wants to read it. Yeah. Because, of course, they could at any time. Um, what's the impact of that? You know, and to be mindful of that as part of being a good clinician. Right. And, and or if it goes to a court. Well, right. yeah. Right. Um, which, you know, happens sometimes. It does. Yeah. 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 And so um, the the one of the most beautiful things that ever happens to me is when... When someone asks for a file, the very few times they have, and I just hand it over without a single worry. Yeah, I just I I give it a I look it over and I'm like, ah, looks great. Yeah, it's so bland. There's <laughs> nothing in here except for just the the bare minimum of treatment plan right. and progress on that treatment. And this is not going to help anyone at all. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Having said that, I did have one uh, client ask for their file, and it actually did help him. Uh, but he had a very discreet issue. He he had he had anxiety, and mm-hmm. so we did anxiety treatment for a while. And he was uh, going into the military, uh-huh. and so he needed proof that um, he needed. Re- they wanted to know why he was in therapy, and so I could provide the progress notes that demonstrated that he, you know. Uh, did his work and his symptoms were reduced to a level that he no longer met criteria for the diagnosis. And so I, I felt like that file pull would actually really help him, you yeah. know, because it probably showed exactly what it needed to show. For right. Him. So anyway, nice. Uh, that does it for that episode of psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. You deserve it. <laughs>